one night we ran across an individual that uh, was oblivious to the claims of Christ, was not interested. Uh, his wife was a believer, grabbed the other kids and went into the other room. So we were there alone with this guy. And I realized at the end of the time that our, our words were just like falling off a duck's back water. It made no impact whatsoever. And I thought to myself at the end of that night, I says, this, this made no impact. Uh, and I think that began one of the things that began the idea in my heart of evangelism as a process. I once heard someone complain about the way someone else had shared their faith. When the complainer was asked how he shared his faith, he said, well, I really don't do that sort of thing. The other person then stated, well, I like my wrong way of sharing my faith more than your non-way. But how should we share our faith today? What does evangelism look like in this day? Sometimes, thanks to our inheritance from a more biblically literate age, we tend to think of evangelism as a one-time event. We memorize our script, lay it on someone, and then it's up to them whether they accept it or not. But is that effective today? Even more importantly, is that consistent with the way Jesus shared the good news with people in Scripture? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining me today for this eighth of nine podcasts featuring former Kansas Communities Ministry Director Dr. Richard Spann. Richard is sharing with us some insights from his devotional series, Goads and Nails. This one is entitled, Evangelism is a Process, Not an Event. And those words were from Jim Peterson's book, the first one, Evangelism is a Lifestyle, I believe. And certainly I've seen them in the second book, Living Proof. Uh, our history, and even today, of the Christian church and many organizations is just the opposite. We look at evangelism as an event. Even today, I have friends who go out on evangelism outings, uh, and they have evangelism outreaches in parks, or we have evangelism meetings in churches. My history was the same. In medical school, I went to a week-long uh, evangelism course, if you could call it that, put on my campus crusade when I was in medical school. It was great. Loved it. We went out in the car, four of us at the end, Actually, Bill Bright was in our car. Bill Bright and a friend of mine went down one road. And uh, actually, a medical resident, Marge Gerbrandt, and I were on the other side of the road, and we, we were in the same car. We went out and stopped the car, and we just, we, it was an evangelism event. We shared the gospel. Um, years later, I went to another evangelism event down in Fort Lauderdale with EE. And we went out every night, and we shared the gospel. E.E. is... Um... Evangelism Explosion. In our church, we had Evangelism Explosion, which we continued for two or three years. Every Tuesday night, I would take a trainee out, and we would train them in evangelism. It was an evangelism event. Uh, however, uh, one night, we ran across an individual that... Uh, was oblivious to the claims of Christ, was not interested. Uh, his wife was a believer, grabbed the other kids and went into the other room. So we were there alone with this guy. And I realized at the end of the time that our, our words were just like 
flying off a duck's back, water. Made no impact whatsoever. And I thought to myself at the end of that night, I says, this this made no impact. Uh, and I think that began one of the things that began the idea in my heart of evangelism as a process. So I called him the next day and I said, I'd like to get together for lunch. So we met for lunch for a few weeks and said, what are your interests? He said, well, I'd like to play tennis. So we began playing tennis. We spent some time together and then um, before long I, I began to ask him again a little bit about if he ever really read much of the Bible. No, really, really hadn't been exposed to much. We have an interest to look at that or look at some Christian literature. So we began looking at that and I think it was mere Christianity that really spoke to him the most and he became a believer after a month or two. And that was to me a kind of a different venture. That was a process of evangelism, not just an event. Uh, Several years after that, I think the book came out, Evangelism as a Lifestyle and Living Proof, some years after that. And Jim Peterson has more succinctly and thoroughly dealt with the fact that the fact that evangelism is a process, not an event. And I think if we look at it as an event, we ask people to come to where we are. We go in and out of their world. Uh, we ask them to adapt to us. We ask for their interest. And Jesus has never called them to come. He's called us to go. But I think that the thinking of many organizations and churches still is on a process of them coming to us or having a, an evangelism event. So a process to me describes, uh, as Jim Peterson relates, a process of being salt and light, a process of becoming uncomfortable where they can become comfortable, going where they are, uh, establishing a relationship, becoming a friendship. Um, and one of his books says disarming them with our hope and then manifesting love to them in such a way that they will listen to the gospel. I think that for me this was very helpful to look at Philippians 2, 5 through 8 and see what Jesus did. It doesn't say he spoke at all to them. It says he, he removed that which was non-communicable, his, his glory and his deity uh, to their eyes, and he identified with them, and he served them, at a costly sacrifice. It began to open up for me ways of dealing with patients, partners, to uh, get on the same level with them, to identify with them, to serve them, and to be involved with a costly relationship, and then to invite them to look at the person of Christ. So this I began to do gradually, and with with groups or with with uh, individuals as patients or partners, and in some of them, uh, where I had invited them to some meeting or something, they had said no. The invitation to simply look at the scriptures together was was met with acceptance. Mm. I said I'd love to look at the scriptures in our in our church or our background. We don't do that. 
but it was easier to get them to look at the scriptures in a familiar atmosphere of a home or some neutral place than to bring them to church or to meeting. And so I think using that as a process gradually mm-hmm. of, of developing the relationship, serving them, identifying with them, being salt and light, sharing hope and love to them, gave an avenue for the opportunity of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so this began to be our pattern individually and as a couple. For many years, we would have Bible studies here in this room, other homes, and found that the the Lord really began to move in the lives of hearts of, of many people mm-hmm. through that. Uh, now there's still opportunities to when we see individuals to share the gospel with them that that we haven't really had an opportunity to develop that relationship mm-hmm. uh, and some have have been prepared already, but many have not and I think the most productive way that that I can find in the scriptures is what Jim Peterson mentions about it being a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that process can be long. As I mentioned, I think, in an earlier uh, note on a different topic, uh, one of my patients we invited to a study, but he said no right away. A few years later, I asked him. It took him three days to say no, but he did say no. But again, he was in and out of the hospital, a number of maladies. I had an opportunity to visit with him, share some uh, uh, psalms with him, and see that he began to warm up to the idea. And uh, a few years ago when I was out to his place, I'd go out to his place in Clearwater and spend, spend half a day with him and mm-hmm. just think over his uh, history in the background of a foreign country and how he grew up and and just listen to his tales. He began to warm up to the gospel. I had a chance to really share with him. And uh, I can't be certain whether he came to faith, but there was... There was a 40-year process there yeah. with that man. Wow. He passed away last year at 92, but I'm hoping that I will see him in heaven. Yeah, amen. So that's a process yeah. with him and many many others rather than an event. I think that uh, making it a process is actually encouraging to people that they don't have to memorize some pre-packaged script. Right. And uh, so let's talk real briefly about practicalities of how you did the Bible study in your home. Um, I know you used uh, your home a lighthouse resource some. Right. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the practical aspects of yes. doing that? Uh, we would often find two other couples, some of them who are new Christians, work with them for about two months. We would look at their friends and ours, draw up a list that we would pray for. We would discuss the meeting format as consisting of about eight weeks, looking at a chapter of the Gospel of John per week. We would find a list and invite people, send them out a personal note as well as a uh, person-to-person conversation, tell them that we have friends who are interested in looking at the Scriptures together, the Bible, and finding out more about God and how it can be meaningful in their lives thought they, they would be interested in that. We would be glad to have them join us for a dinner at our house, 6.30 on next two, and Tuesday in two weeks. And that these are some of the friends that they may know that we've invited. Be glad to have them. 
and that this was not something where we're asking anybody to pray or read out loud or ask embarrassing questions. We're just going to have an open discussion for them to bring their questions and ideas and thoughts. Mm -hmm. But the first, we're going to have a dinner and kind of explain that further. We would invite uh, 10 to 12 couples, sometimes less than that. We've had meetings where there's only been three or four, some as large as 20. But we would try to explain very carefully what was involved before so no one would be surprised, wouldn't be blindsided, the fact that it was a Bible study. And we would discuss that at the uh, dinner, hand them out a Bible, and say, uh, we'd love to have you uh, come next week. We'll start at 7, have a little time of social gathering till 7.30. We'll start right at 7.30 and be through at 8.30, and we'd stay on time. But throughout the study, we would just ask, uh, some very basic questions and they depend on their answers as well, their questions, their observations but we would just cast that out for people's comments we'd run it for the eight weeks and at the end of the time uh, we'd say thanks for attending we're glad to have you here uh, that's what you're going to do if there's some of you who want to continue this let us know and we can continue to finish out the Gospel of John so some years we would have studies that would go on through the whole study. We would finish finish out the Gospel of John that year. Others would conclude at eight weeks. Some we noticed would come to the Lord after two or three weeks and we'd try to be available for them for questions and so forth at the end of that time. And I remember some after a couple of weeks would really be clear in their faith. Others at the end of eight weeks. Some two or three years later uh, would come to the Lord. Uh, some, only after the study had been completed, would hear that a year or two after that they had come to know the Lord. And it helped us realize the, the uh, harvest is not at the end of the study, it's at the end of the age. Mm-hmm. So we need to trust the Lord to continue to do His work in the people's lives. The harvest is not at the end of the study, but at the end of the age. We must trust the Lord to complete His work in the lives of the people with whom we have contact. You know, Dr. Spann mentioned the study, Your Home a Lighthouse, How to Host an Evangelistic Bible Study by Bill Jacks. My wife and I have used that study as well in the past, and we felt it was very effective. Unfortunately, the study is no longer being produced, but the book is still available on eBay and Amazon. If you have a desire to reach out to your neighbors and friends, I would recommend this as an excellent, non-threatening, loving way to do so. I urge you to try to get your hands on a copy of that book, Your Home a Lighthouse, How to Host an Evangelistic Bible Study. You know, in John 20, verses 30 and 31, the Apostle John stated, And truly Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Clearly, people observed Jesus' miracles and teachings over a period of at least three years. His disciples walked with him daily over a period of time. You know, we need to recall that the Holy Spirit brings people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, often through a multitude of of events, life events, teachings, experience. Let us not lose heart. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 
I know you won't want to miss our next and final podcast with Dr. Richard Spann as he shares about the importance of margin in our lives as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.